Welcome to Talk and Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy. Get it up. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Today, how often do you think of heaven? What will it be like? What will you do there? Let's join Brian for a glimpse of what's to come. Followed by conversation and encouragement with Dan and his wife, Kara Whitney. Now, here's Brian. Many Christians get caught up in trying to predict exactly how things will play out in the end. In the church world, we refer to this as eschatology or end times theology. But here's the deal. What if we get so focused on trying to figure out all the details that we actually miss the point. For those of you who haven't been around the church, you may not realize there are many different ideas about how the end times events will play out. Good, godly Bible scholars disagree on many of the details. For certain, no one could say the Bible is really clear on all the details. I take the position that when the Bible is unclear on something, it's unclear on purpose. In other words, maybe figuring out all the details of the end times is not what God wants us to focus on. When you read through the New Testament, it becomes clear that there is a significant amount of attention on the return of Christ. When Jesus departed in what we call the ascension, he promised he would return. This is what Paul referred to as the blessed hope Life was very hard for Christians in the first century. Many were persecuted and put to death for following Jesus. Their hope was not in a promise of health, wealth, and prosperity. Their hope was that no matter how hard life got, Jesus is coming back and your future as a follower of Jesus is magnificent. Jesus wins, and because that's true, we win too. My experience as a pastor is that many Christians have very strong opinions on their end times theology and a very weak theology of heaven. I would suggest that's backwards from the emphasis of the New Testament. The New Testament tells us that the great heroes of the faith like Abraham and Sarah or Isaac and Jacob or Moses kept on walking by faith because they were looking for a city whose architect and builder is God. They knew they were headed for the ultimate city of God as their final destination. The issue is not so much whether or not we can figure out all the details of how things will end. Our hope is found in knowing Jesus wins, and our future is glorious no matter how difficult things in this life get. No matter what, our future is glorious as Christians. The end of Revelation tells us that in the end, God will make all things new, and Jesus will reign as the King of Kings on this redeemed earth. It will literally be heaven on earth. We are told it will finally be a place of no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. It will be a place of unimaginable joy. If you were a first-century Christian about to be persecuted by the Emperor Nero, what you needed to know was that no matter what, 
Jesus is coming back and your future is full of hope. That's the message of the New Testament. And that's what we need to know about our future, to have hope in the most difficult circumstances. What exactly will it be like? Well, that's kind of hard to say. Will we have physical bodies? Yes. What age will we be? I'm not sure. Will there be children? Maybe. Will we know our families? Certainly. Will we run and hike and adventure? Yes. Will we write music or do comedy or paint or sculpt? Yes. For Dan's sake, will there be golf? Sure, why not? Will there be animals? Yes. Will our pets from this life be there? Maybe. So let's bring in Dan and Kara and let's talk about this. Wow, there's so much cool stuff in here. First of all, as far as golf goes, yes, I do hope there's golf up there. But I, I do have to say, I do not want to make golf an idol. I do not want to think about golf. I don't want to push aside Jesus for golf. So, I mean, if I can get up at 6 a.m. for a tea time, I darn well better get up at 6 a.m. for a church service. Seriously, that's a lot of people, when it talks about idols, golf can definitely become an idol if you think about it and you're obsessed with it more than you are So, uh, the, the, being a follower of Christ. I do not want that. So anytime that seeps in, I smack myself in the face because I don't want that. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to miss opportunities that Jesus gives me to do things that, for his work because I'm doing that. But I will say, there's been a lot of times on a golf course, I always say this, Brian, I always pray and I say, I hope somebody asks me today why I'm always happy. How come you're always happy? And then I always get a chance to share the gospel a little bit, throw some seeds out. And that happens a lot. So that's a good thing. But I want to throw that out there for people to live and go, don't make it your idol. I mean... If you can do a tea time at 6 a.m., then, my gosh, you don't you can get up and go to church and be with other believers for an hour. Also, when you see people going on the Internet or you see, and they're always arguing over the dumbest things that don't matter, it's so frustrating. I see that all the time on Twitter, on Facebook, people arguing because they want to act like they're smarter than the other person. And it's like... It, it, It's like, look, the only thing that matters is the gospel. That's what matters. You're right. Jesus wins in the end. Focus on what matters. Jesus is the focus. <laughs> If you just focus on the gospel and what you're supposed to do, you're right, Brian. We win in the end. Jesus is going to win in the end. So just uh, focus on the gospel. Quit arguing in front of non-believers over stupid stuff. It doesn't make any sense. Well, the Bible, This I love this quote, Brian's quote, the Bible is unclear on something. It is unclear on purpose. Okay, so Revelation, we're blessed to know it and read it. By the way, does it work in the house? Like if you're unclear on something for me, is it on purpose? No, that's just, I'm female. That's just how we roll. <laughs> There's always purpose in it. Uh, so Sorry. we're unclear, uh, and it's on purpose, And but we're, we're blessed to read Revelation. So 
would it be best? You know, the people Dan talks about, they argue about things, they try to predict on time. Is it maybe the best way to approach it? Is it, it is, from what, I, what you just said, a book of worship. Revelation? Yeah. Yeah, so I think it is. It's, it's properly understood. It's a book that culminates in the celebration of Jesus. So it is a book of worship. But you throw in Ezekiel, Daniel, the Gospels, Thessalonians, and people put together pretty elaborate end times uh, theology systems. And these are really smart people that are right. love Jesus and they, they believe in the authority of Scripture, but they don't see it the same way. And I think that's helpful. It's just not that clear. There's certain things where Bible scholars agree, and there's other things where there isn't agreement. Would you say then that, I, I hate to say something is not important to God, would you say that that's just, or maybe it's just not his focus? I think it's a great question. I'm going to answer it by saying I think sometimes what we've done to it isn't the intent of the writers. So think of it this way. If you had a panel and you had Paul and you had John and you had Jesus, uh, you had Ezekiel and Daniel, and you ask each of them, uh, you ask each of these preachers to present a different end times scenario. Right. And, and those, those on the panel are listening. I think it's possible at the end of that, those presentations, they'd be like, we don't really even know what you're talking about. Like that wasn't the intent. I mean, go to, go to Paul, for example. Where do you get the idea that Paul's intent is to create this elaborate eschatological system rather than understanding each text within its context? And, and what were those first readers to understand and what did they need to know in order to get through really difficult times? Mm -hmm. So we take it and kind of pull verses from all over the Bible and make it into something pretty complicated. Right. What I'm saying is I'm not even sure that was the intent. So we're sitting in America where things are pretty safe yeah, and pretty, pretty easy. Pretty yeah, yeah, absolutely. But if you're in the if you're in the Middle East or in mm -hmm. China as a Christian, you're probably not arguing about exactly the way the end times are going to play out. You just <laughs> need to know at the end of the story there's got to be hope. Right. And the hope is Jesus and thankfully Bible scholars agree that is the story. Jesus is coming back, the future is magnificent. We may not understand all the details right. en route to that. Yeah, there's not a lot of pre-trib trib arguments going on in China and Syria right now. No. <laughs> well, and I noticed, too, you know, you mentioned these great heroes uh, of faith, and it's Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and the list goes on, and they were just faithful. They didn't have a book. I mean, we have the Word of God. We can look, and we, we see what happened. We get to see what is up ahead to some degree. But they didn't have anything like that. Right. And they right. got to the finish line still believing by faith right. Absolutely. that God would keep his promise, but they didn't see it in their lifetime. So how would, and, and I know I've struggled with this too, if I get too heady, if I go so deep in the Bible that, and, and, and believe me, I, this is why I love your preaching, is because you dig so deep in the Word and we get the historical context of what's going on. And it, to me, it's, you can sort of envision then what's going on 
with the Bible story, but I also too struggle sometimes with finding that balance between head knowledge and just just my heart going all in on it. How do you find a balance between like heart knowledge, head knowledge? So a, a model that we use in preaching has just been really helpful for me over the years, and that is understanding followed by belief followed by application with an understanding you aren't going to live something you don't really believe and you can't really believe it if you don't really understand it. So I think truth rightly understood has its own application. In other words, we, we all ultimately live our belief system. Correct, yeah. So the Hebrews, their educational system, they wouldn't have had a category for head knowledge. The Greeks were more similar to us. If you can regurgitate it on a test, then you know it. But for the Hebrew educational model, if you didn't live it, then you didn't know it. So if you know it, then you believe it, then you live it. And I think that's the more proper model. At the end of the day, I have to understand it, I have to believe it, and if I do, I will live it. Right. So all of us can look at how we live, and that's indicative of what I actually believe. Not what I say I believe, but it's more reflective of what I really do believe. And I do find that if I'm not in the Word every day, I'm telling you, I do start to revert back to my old self before I was introduced to Jesus. So just how important that Word is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think the volume of lies— that come at us all day, every day, through a hundred different ways is powerful. And if we aren't combating that with truth, then we're likely to get off track and believe some things that aren't really true. Absolutely. That's why it's so important to stay engaged. you got to stay engaged. If you don't stay engaged, you're in a lot of trouble. And remember, the main focus, if, if there's people arguing about stuff like this, I mean, come on. The main focus is the gospel. That's the important part. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus and let him let him uh, let him win in the end here. Don't uh, <laughs> you're not helping him out any. Yeah, I think you know there's there's primary things, primary doctrines. So biblical scholars that believe in the authority of scripture all agree on these primary things. Right. And then there's secondary things where there's some disagreement. Right. And it's a good thing to study the scripture and do your best to try and figure it out, but with a humility that says there's really good godly people that see this differently. And so maybe it's not as clear as sometimes people want to make it to be. Right. But, and I like Dan's point too. Like when we're arguing about stuff like that, people who don't know any of this, and believe me, at one point in my life, I was one of them. Like I had no baseline for any of it. You're talking to somebody who um, didn't know Easter had anything to do with Jesus until I was well into my 20s. So there are people who just don't know. If you guys are arguing about it and you can't get along, what does that reflect to somebody who doesn't know? Because, hey, if you guys can't figure it out, then there's no way I'm ever going to be able to. Yeah, it's very unattractive. It's like going out with a married couple and the whole meal, they fight with each other. And then at the end, they're trying to convince you to get married. Yeah. Right. It's like, that doesn't seem very attractive to me. Right. But, you know. you know, there's, I mean, there's no argument. 
in John 3.16, is there? Yeah. No. That's not to be argued. Yeah. That's the main point. Yeah. And that's that's all you need to know. Yeah. John 3.16, and then try and be like Jesus the best you can. Yeah, if you're on your deathbed dying of cancer, you're not really arguing about all that stuff. No, you're not. You're back thinking. to the fundamentals. Absolutely. And your future is absolutely glorious, and that's the hope of the gospel. That's right. Stay engaged. Learn the fundamentals. And God's going to win in the end. That's all for today's Talk and Truth. To request your copy of Brian's book, Life After Death, visit talkandtruth.com. That's talk, letter N, truth.com. Brian and Dan will be back Talk and Truth next week, so be sure to subscribe. Get it done.